live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for present. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Thanks to Scott Worris for filling in for me last week for a couple days. Yeah, we were in Las Vegas. It was actually a very fun family trip. We're the family that goes to Las Vegas. My wife and I, my brother went along, and uh, her two daughters, one of whom, the younger one, Amy, had a zero-year birthday this year, and she had never been to Vegas, so we took her, and that meant the big sister had to come along as well, and we just had a, we had an absolute blast. It was not profitable. I actually, I bet on Wisconsin. Yes, I put money on that Wisconsin game, and let me put it like this. If Wisconsin scored four more touchdowns and a field goal, I would have still lost. Um, but, you know, that's that's why they call it gambling and things like that. We had a great uh, time. Saw lots of different shows. Saw Barry Manilow on Thursday. And uh, it was okay. Um, saw Journey. They played at Caesars Palace on Friday. And that, that was outstanding. Saw this band called Spandex Nation, which is actually, it's kind of fun. It's, it's like this. They're big in Las Vegas. They're this tribute to like the '80s, um, you know, heavy metal bands, and we had we had a lot of lot of fun um, watching that. And then a great Jimmy Buffett concert on Saturday night came back yesterday, so it was a lot of fun. I, I do have we've got a lot of stuff to talk about on today's program. It is going to be eclectic, local issues, statewide issues, national issues, issues of right wrong. We're going to cover a lot of ground, but I did want to start with an observation, and I want to. I understand this is lunch hour, so this is tight. This is kind of a a sort of graphic observation, but I want to do it as our first topic. We're just going to take phone calls for a couple minutes. And it, it really, as somebody who observes the culture, this is something that really struck me. And it is a true story. If you go to Las Vegas, one of the things that you notice, you've got to be careful walking around because there's lots and lots of people. And what will happen at any given time is that people will just stop. You know, for no rhyme, because they'll try to, I don't know, they're trying to figure out where they are or they're looking around or whatever. So you're in this big crowd and all of a sudden somebody just stops. Boom. And then everybody kind of bumps into them. And, and you really can't fault them for stopping because they're just distracted or, or whatever, especially if they've never been there before, don't know where they're going. They just stop. All right. So you, you have that thing. One of the things, and this is, of course, not a unique observation, but I noticed it more this time than when I had been in the past, is it's not just the stopping you have to watch out for. You have to watch out for people on their cell phones who are walking and staring at their phones. And and I swear I am not making this up because once I started seeing this, I started trying to pay attention for it. I would say conservatively that walking around Las Vegas, and it doesn't matter whether you're in the casinos or whether you know you're on the strip or whatever, I would say at least one out of every four people was staring at their cell phone, and, and I mean staring at their cell phone. They they're not 
really looking at where they're going. They've got their cell phone out in their hand, and that is what they're looking at. And I'm watching all these people bump into each other, and you know, because they're, they're, they have no clue where they are. They are staring at their cell phone while they're walking. Now, I understand that... There, there might be this some occasion where you're trying to find out where somebody is that you want to meet, but that that that's clearly not what was going on. What, I would say conservatively, one out of every four had their cell phones in their hands. All right, so you get used to that. That is not the observation that is particularly unique, and the observation I want to discuss. I was at the sports book at New York, New York. Nice small little sports book. You can bet horses. They're they're very nice. So I'm sitting there. Immediately behind the sports book, there is a men's room. All right. And I, I, I'm going to try to describe this as delicately as I possibly can. But I there's there comes a time. Get up. Got to use the men's room. Walk into the men's room. There are I counted them. There are eight urinals in the New York, New York's men's room outside the sports book. This is hand in the air. I am not making this up at the urinals. They're all full. All right. So it, there's waiting. I counted. Six out of the eight guys at the urinals have their cell phone out and are staring at their cell phones. Six out of eight. I would have taken a picture of it, but I thought that that would raise all sorts of other issues. But I, I'm counting. I'm I got everybody is standing there with their cell phone in their hand while they are taking care of their business. Six out of eight. Now, I I understand that from time to time you get important phone calls. You know, I, I understand that. But I, I'm willing to bet that for the 75% of the people who were relieving themselves at the New York, New York sports book bathroom, my, I am confident that they weren't being notified that, okay, their, their wife was in labor or something like that. They're just standing there staring at, at the, the thing, at, at the phones, you know, checking whatever, looking at their texts, whatever. Now, I don't know whether or not there is this etiquette or there needs to be a cell phone etiquette about this, other than to say that even appreciating all the modern conveniences, I think we need to have a Wagner's rule of life, number 16 on this, which is if you've got a pee, put down the cell phone. I mean, just focus on your business. How long can it possibly take? And then, you know, then pull the cell phone back out of your pocket or or whatever and carry on with your business. I mean, six out of eight. And I'm thinking, my gosh, is that what it's come to? Just saying, when we come back, it's difficult to find true idiots, but it sounds like we found them in Madison. Stick around. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. All right. This story broke on Thursday and Friday while I was gone. So perhaps you've heard other people discuss it, but we have not had a chance to talk about it. It is the story that has now gone national that demonstrates to me the true idiots are rare. But if you want to find them, head out to the People's Republic of Madison and go to the Madison School District. If you haven't heard this story, here's what happens in a nutshell. About a week and a half ago. There is an incident where you have at Madison West High School where you have a high school student who is being disruptive. All right. So that's what starts this all out. The high school student 
is being disruptive. The assistant principal is attempting to remove the disruptive kid from out of class. What they do is they call one of the security guards, 48-year-old man who happens to be African-American. So we're talking about a black security guard who is called about this disruptive student who is being escorted by an assistant principal at West High School. All right, the security guard gets there, and apparently what happens is the kid then gets physical with the principal. The kid, who is African-American as well, gets physical with the principal, pushes his hand off himself. Uh, the principal's apparently got his hand. He's trying to kind of push, steer the kid forward. Kid pushes the hand off, at which point in time the kid goes into a, and I say kid, the student goes into a complete and total meltdown and starts screaming obscenities at the principal, the assistant principal, and at the security guard. Now, I mentioned before, the security guard himself is African-American. The kid, who is also the student, who is also African-American, apparently starts using the N-word in connection with a number of obscenities, and he starts directing this at the black security guard. So he's calling him, well, you fill in the black. You can figure this out. And this isn't just once or twice. This is this out-of-control punk who is using the N-word directing at the security guard. All right? The security guard says, don't call me that, don't call me that. And in the process of saying, don't call me that, the security guard apparently uses that, that word himself. Don't call me blank. Don't call me this. This is wrong. You know, and apparently the security guard is trying to tell the kid, you know, this is, first of all, you got to calm yourself down. Secondly, this is an inappropriate word to use. Don't you call me that. It's So it's not like the security guard calls the kid the N-word. The security guard is being called that, and he is using that word in response. Don't call me this. All right? Fine. So what happens is, after being called this slur several times, ultimately they they get the the kid packed off to wherever the student is going to get packed off. Well, as it turns out, Madison has a zero. Madison, the school district, has a zero tolerance policy with regard to um, employees using the N word. Oh, okay. You know what you can say, right? You know, you don't want teachers using the N word and directing that towards students and things like that. So what happens is West's invest, Madison West investigates and they say, well, did, did you use the word? And the guy says, well, yeah, I, this, this kid was repeatedly calling me this and I told him you should not use that word. Don't direct it at me. It's hurtful, etc." They said, oh, but, but you did use that word. And the guy says, well, yeah, I, I, I told you how I used the word. They say, boom, you're gone. They fire him. They fire him. My favorite part of the Associated Press story is that the student that started all this, that started this whole thing, it's not known whether he faces disciplinary action. So it's okay for the student to disrupt classes. It's okay for the student to be verbally abusive towards principals and teachers and security guards. It's okay for the teacher, for the student to call the the security guard whatever name he wants. But when the security guard says, don't say that to me, and repeats that word, don't call me blank, it is the security guard that gets fired. This story has gone national. Uh, you know, Cher, of all people, Cher has offered to pay 
the legal fees for the security guard were he to choose to sue. The principal who's fired him has said, well, you know, you can try to get your job back, but you're going to face an uphill battle because we have a zero tolerance policy on racial slurs. The superintendent, she says, well, the zero tolerance policy is designed to protect students from harm, no matter what the circumstances or intent. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm not going to say that this is one of the, that this is the stupidest thing that I have ever heard of, but it's definitely one of the top two or three. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is my problem with zero tolerance policies. It allows for idiotic people to simply not consider context, not consider circumstances, and not use their brains. In this particular, I understand, you know, why you say, look, you can't use this word and direct it at students. We don't want you calling them that. In this case, you have a black security guard who is the victim here of an out-of-control punk who may or may not be subject to any sort of discipline you have a security guard who i think is using this as a teachable moment a black security guard who says don't use that word and he is the one that is fired there was a walkout at madison west uh, students protesting the firing of the security guard i'm i'm not a big fan of walkouts but this is just fundamentally wrong The superintendent of the Madison School District should be ashamed of herself. The principal at West High School should be ashamed of herself. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This guy should get his job back immediately together with an apology. And to the extent that this rule allows no interpretation for circumstance. It needs to be changed right away. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I will tell you this. The Madison School District has made itself the laughing stock of the nation by adopting this policy. All right. If you're on the line, please hold on. If you want to join us, 414-799-1620. I just... I understand it's the People's Republic of Madison, and I understand that zero-tolerance policies are the refuse point for for people who don't want to use common sense. But really? We're back to discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. As long as we are talking about political correctness, run amok. Ah, Discord in Menominee Falls. Menominee Falls, the high school, the mascot is, and I hope you're sitting down. I don't want people to be offended by this. Don't want to shock people. But the mascot for Menominee Falls is, it's the Indians. And that's because the Menominee River runs through Menominee. Menominee is, by the way, a Native American slash Indian name. The Menominee River you know, runs through Menominee Falls. Menominee Falls is named after the Menominee Indian tribe. So that's just kind of the reality and the background. The Menominee Menominee Falls Indians are one of 31 different school districts in Wisconsin that still use some variation of Native American 
mascots. And then just like the Maguanago Indians, the Menominee Falls Indians have been the Menominee Falls Indians for forever. All right. Some people in Menominee Falls are upset about this and want to change it. For example, I'm looking at the story in the Journal Sentinel. Um, One woman says she'd like to see the name changed because it's a name given to Native Americans by their oppressors. It's not a compliment or an honor if the people who claim to be honoring are telling you they are not honored by it. Huh. Um, I I don't know. I mean, are are Indian tribes offended by being called Indians? I, you know, I mean, seriously, it has come to this point. So they they have a hearing in Mountie Falls, and that's fine. I'm one of these guys that says, I I think, you know, it's a matter of local control. If the residents decide that, gee, we are offended by this nickname and it needs to change, I think they have the right to do that. At the same time, I don't think you have an obligation to give in to a handful of squeaky wheels simply because they say that they are offended or they are afraid that somebody else is offended. So Menominee Falls is having this, this hearing on whether or not to do away with the Indians. Now, apparently into this mix comes the new superintendent of Menominee Falls. His name is Corey Gala, and he was, uh, you know, he was in the school district for a while before that. He apparently has sent out an email saying that either the mascot will change or he will resign. He says he felt regularly, he has felt embarrassed about the logo and anticipated that Menominee Falls, regardless of what anybody says or does, will be making a future change to be called the Falcons. His email said the school was already beginning to work to eliminate references to Indians wherever possible and had changed the district logo to include a feathered F. So the superintendent, apparently, at least in this email, is suggesting that, well, you know, it doesn't matter what the school board says or whatever. I I don't like this myself, and so we're going to make a change. We're going to go to the F with some feathers. F with the feathers, because I, I think this is the way it should be, and if they don't change, I, I may resign. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, I know off and on we've been talking about this issue for the last Gosh, it seems like 10 or 15 years. And there's been various variations you had during the Jim Doyle years. You had the law that was passed, which essentially made it impossible for school districts to continue to use Native American nicknames or Native American mascots. I thought eight years ago that issue went away, but now it is back. And... It's facing Menominee Falls in a big way. But if this is happening to Menominee Falls, it could be happening to McGuanago. It could be happening to any one of the 31 districts who still use the Native American mascots and or nicknames. Let us tee this up. Is it time to do away with the nickname Indians in Menominee Falls? Is it reasonable for people to be offended? And if the school superintendent really does say, hey, you either change this or else I'm gone, I mean, should the response be, oh, don't leave us, sir? Or should it be, don't let the door hit you on the way out? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Look, I understand, and I've said this before, that as times have evolved, there are certain nicknames, for example, that I think are probably inappropriate. And For example, one would be the Redskins. And I know you've got the Washington Redskins, and that's a whole different issue. But, but the idea that the term Indians is in and of itself so pejorative that it has to be changed because people are going to be offended. To me, 
it's one of those where you say, look, you know, there is a history behind this. This is a town that has a Native American name. It is named after an Indian tribe. And the idea that the term Indians in and of itself is so offensive that it has to change. I'm sorry, I'm just not there. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. All right, let's start off with the text before we go to the phones. Jeff, get rid of it. Indians, how is that not derogatory? Okay, my question would be, Indians, how is it derogatory? If you go to law school, you study Indian law. We have the Bureau of Indian Affairs. The federal government recognizes Indian tribes. Now, look, I I concede that, again, if we're talking about a term like redskins, I understand why people would think that being derogatory. But, But the term Indian in and of itself... Really, we're now at a point in 2019 where people think that that is derogatory. Why? Again, is it time to do away with the Bureau of Indian Affairs? Because I don't know, would people be offended? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage uh, Talk and Text Line. Um, let's see, Jeff. I've never been against a community or team using a Native American name for its sports teams. I believe if you were to research these types of cases, you'll find that uh, their voice or concerns are more. The people who are voicing their concerns are more than likely to be a new resident. In this case, Menominee Falls, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Lamar in Orlando. Lamar, you're first. Hey, Jeff. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. Sure. Um, I have a different kind of a different uh, take on this. Um, here in Florida, the Florida State Seminoles, the college, actually talked with the local Seminoles and got their permission to use right. Seminoles because the outrage is not just the name, but it's also like the caricatures and the mascots. You know, wasn't the permission was never asked, and you know it was kind of disrespectful. But I personally think that they should go that route. Talk to a local tribes and. I would personally love if they got rid of the term Indian. I I don't I hate that term. My grandmother is I'm an, I'm a descendant of, of the Seminoles. My grandmother was Seminole, and they're not Indians. Indians are from India. Native Americans is what they should be called. I get it about well. How about American Indians? I mean, typically that's yeah. the way it's been referred to. American Indians. I would. That's not even in my opinion. That's not even incorrect because there are American there are American Indians from India here, just like just like we're called African Americans. That's a whole other conversation. But I think that just get the permission from the local tribes and use their names that in my opinion instead of this adapted incorrect term and some of these caricatures uh would be a lot more respectful and you wouldn't have the outrage well let, let's well you i come on you, you you've got to understand you, you'd have outrage about all this should you change the name of the town should we name towns after native american tribes but but again i i don't have a problem with because naming a town after the actual tribe isn't insulting. I think that you know it's, it's that's that, in my opinion, is respectful. The the ter- I just don't like personally. I hate the term Indian. Okay, I, but I mean, I guess how how is that insulting or derogatory? Now, again, I, I understand Redskins. I'm putting that aside because I I get that. But I mean, that how is the term Indians? And let, let's put aside the 
caricatures. And I, I understand. I admit that, you know, when Atlanta was in the playoffs and I see everybody doing that tomahawk chop and stuff that they do, I understand why folks would find that to be stereotypical and offensive. So I, I get I'm with you that far. I just the, the term Indians in and of itself, I don't understand the derogatory connotation. It's not even accurate. That's, I guess that's my issue. And again, mm. I, I mean, I may be in the minority with that, no. with that opinion, but I think that, that the term Indian isn't even correct. Okay. Well, thanks. Well, I guess that's a different, I mean, I guess, I guess, see, that's a, a different issue. And I, if, if it's the imagery, and I, I mean, th- this goes back, remember years and years ago, Marquette. Marquette used to, the basketball team used to be the Warriors. And so, and they had a Native American mascot. It was the old, what, you know, Willie Womp or something, you know, Chief, whatever. And he would go around and would do like this dance and stuff. And people didn't like that imagery and they got it. And people objected. And I, and I understand moving away from the imagery. I, I get it. I don't think it was meant in a disrespectful fashion, but they, they moved away from the imagery. What, what I always drove me nuts about Marquette is the idea that, okay, we got to get rid of the name Warriors, which to me, okay connotates all sorts of things you take away the imagery and then yet you find you know a a different name warriors in and of itself is is not racist or offensive i would argue that that the term indians in and of itself is not derogatory either 414-799-1620 let's talk to rick in mcguanago also the home of the indians hi rick hi good afternoon i enjoy your show thank you always a listener I don't find nothing offensive. I've got two grandsons that graduated from the uh, Guanago High School. I served in Vietnam with uh, with our American Indians. But we got to get a life, and we can't, you know, like you say, feel offensive because it's gonna hurt somebody. Well, I mean, I, well, I guess I mean I wonder who, again, who gets offended by this really? And again, I there, there are terms that you could use that would be derogatory, but. But the term in and of itself, Indians, our first caller says, well, I don't think that's historically accurate. Well, okay, I, I, that, that doesn't matter. I don't want to have that discussion. Who, who cares if it's historically accurate or not? The point is, is this in and of itself offensive? And I guess I just, I don't think reasonable people, and that doesn't obviously include the superintendent in the Menominee Falls School District, I don't think reasonable people are offended by the term Indians, as opposed to maybe Redskins or maybe Braves or something like that, but you know, it's it, it's we have Indian tribes. Unless we're going to say that that's going to be the new N word, and you can't say it at all. And I don't think we're at that point, even in 2020. I agree with you a hundred percent. Neil, right on the head. Thank you. I appreciate. It. I, I appreciate the perspective. Um, let's see, Jeff. We should be concentrating on real life issues. I'm tired of focusing on this. It, you know, it it is kind of a a point here. Um, it, it is kind of a point, you know, if, if you want to talk about, you know, Native American tribes or American Indians or whatever term you want to use, there, there's, you know, a lot of issues that, that face that particular, you know, th- those groups and those tribes. Why don't you focus on the, the, the big things instead of, gee, I've got my undies in the bundle over this name. Jeff, McGuanago Indians use no logos for their mascot. It's just the name which represents the founders of the town. And the same thing, you know, um, I think relates exactly to, you know, what's going on in Menominee Falls. Jeff, I am an American Indian, and I do not find it offensive at all. I completely disagree with the previous caller. Well, well, 
Right. I mean, again, we we change the name way we refer to people. And and if you know, um, if if the politically correct term now is, you know, Native American, I'm I'm fine with that. But that doesn't mean that the word Indian, like I say, is the new N word. And I don't for the life of me understand, you know, why some people are deciding we're going to try to make it like that. Now, as far as the idea of, okay, well, you should go to the tribe and you should ask their permission. Well, I, I mean, how do you get consensus on, on something like like that? I mean, it's to me, a part of the problem is that assumes that everybody who's Native American um, is going to have the same impression on this. I mean, there, there's not one person that you go to who is the font of all wisdom on what is offensive and what isn't, because my guess is there's a, a number of people who belong to a various, an Indian tribe, who think nothing of, you know, um, Again, you know, being called an, an Indian, yeah, where that, you know, they don't think of, of that, they don't take offense by it, and they recognize that when, whether it's the Menominee Falls Indians or the McGuanago Indians or whatever, it's not being done in a derogatory fashion. It is being done in a way to celebrate that particular heritage. Now, as for the new superintendent, and he's only been there for like a year and a half, if in fact. He really is trying to extort the school district and saying, you're either going to change or I'm going to resign. And I don't care what you have done. We are already moving ahead and we're going to have we're going to be the Falcons and we're going to have an F and we're going to put these nice little feathers on it. If which makes no sense to me. But if the superintendent has really said that and that is really his intent and he is trying to pressure the school board and the community into doing something that they would not otherwise do, but for his politically correct position. Here's the bottom line. School superintendents are a dime a dozen. You can find somebody who is going to come in and do the job just as well as this guy is doing. Trust me. And if he wants to leave over this issue, the response should be, thank you for your service. Sorry you don't see eye to eye with us, but don't let the door hit you on the way out. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa, next April, we will see if I should come to regret trying to do something with my head instead of my heart. Oh, no. Well, all right. So, there is this mythical place called Las Vegas. And once you are in Las Vegas, <laughs> yes. you can place wagers on, on all sorts of things. You know, you, you can actually bet coin of the realm on that. Now, last year before the baseball season, um, I they have one of the things that you can bet on is, is not just will your team win the World Series or win the division playoffs or whatever. You can bet on how many games they will win. They Ooh. have this thing called the over-under. So last year... For the Brewers, the over/under was 86 and a half wins, meaning if you bet the over, you were wagering that the Brewers would win more than 86 and a half games. In other sure. words, 87. Mm-hmm. So I I bet the over, and they the they they got hot in September and they won more than 87 games. And so I had this ticket, and that was one of the first things I did when I hit the MGM Grand. I went and I cashed. The ticket for that. Wow. So I got I got coined of the realm. I got money back. Okay. The NBA basketball season, of course, tips off this week. And interestingly, the Vegas odds makers think that the Bucks 
will win more games than any other team in the NBA. Now, that's not to say that they're the favorites to win the, the championship. It's just I, because they play in the Eastern Conference and the teams in the Eastern Conference aren't as good as the teams in the Western Conference. Um, I, I think they figure that the Bucks are have a chance. They're going to be playing. They're going to be playing worse teams more often. In any event, the the over under for the Bucks is fifty set. Now, last year they won sixty games. This year it's fifty seven and a half, which means they would have to go fifty eight and twenty four. That that's a lot. That's a lot of games. Fifty eight and twenty four. So I'm My, guessing when you were out there, you bet on that. Well, no, here's no? The, here is the deal. And so now we will – I didn't bet it because I think the Bucks are going to have a great season, and I think they're going to do well. But 58 games is a lot of games to win. And, you know, you, ha- you have you – know, Giannis, you know, has to sit out a few games because his back it hurts or, or whatever. 58 wins is a lot. Now, they had 60 last year, but last year, you know, everything fell right. Really exceptional, I, yeah. I don't think they can. I think they're going to do great. I don't think they could win 58. I, I thought that was a lot. So if I, I didn't, that my head is telling me they're not going to win 58. Okay. They're going to do really well. And so normally I would bet the under, you know, uh, but but I'm a Bucks fan. So I, I don't want to sit here all year rooting for them to lose, you know, 25 games. Right, you know? so, so you're going with your heart. Right. Well, so I just, I just decided, okay, if I were going with my heart, I would bet – I would bet that they're going to win more than 58 and put the money there. My head tells me that's not likely to happen, so I just stayed away from it. Oh, that's good. It was just like, I'm not. (laughs) That's too good. You're conflicted. I'm not, right. I'm not betting. I don't want to. I don't think they're going to win 58. You don't jinx anything. Right, exactly. And I, you know, if you have money on it, then you're going to be sitting there rooting for them to lose some games. I don't want to be in that situation, so I will just be be a fan. I will not have money on the. What happens a lot with the Packers, too. The Packers, you know, the, the thing. When they set betting lines in Las Vegas, the casinos, what the casinos are trying to do is they're, they're trying to get the same amount of money on people like if the Packers are playing the Vikings. They try to set the, the line, you know, the, the point spread at such a point that you get 50% of the money on the Packers and 50% of the money on the Vikings because that way the casino guarantees it's going to win. They take a chunk out of the, the losing bets. Um, I That's why the Packers... Generally, because people are fans and people like the Packers, generally the, the point spreads tend to be a bit inflated. And so it's always tough on that, too. But well, I, I think you did the right thing. I did, too. Yeah, I'm not, I, I do think. I'm not, right, I'm not going to root against the Bucks to, yeah, to lose. that would be I'm, weird, right, rooting for root a team you them. like. And, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I have, no, I have no money in there, no financial interest in this at all. I am just... Unlike the Brewer season, I'm just going to be rooting for the Bucks to win as many games as they can. And if they end up winning 60 or 61 and I left some money on and the that's table, okay, yeah. that's okay. Because believe me, this last <laughs> yeah. trip, I left a lot of money oh. in, in Las Vegas. That's, there's no, no question about that. Okay, let us switch. Speaking of money, I don't know. For $500,000, I'll call it whatever you want. How about you? All right, Gru, do you know um, – do you know – who the founder of of Papa John's was. Do you remember the guy's name? His name is John Schnatter. Okay? Yeah, I remember his face. Okay. All right. Now, this is a guy founded the Papa John's Pizza franchise. Started in Jeffersonville, Indiana in 1984. Um, Schnatter attended Jeffersonville High 
he played on the school's baseball team in 1980. So he this is his hometown. First Papa John's restaurant was in this particular town. And I think everybody knows what happened with Papa John's. It it, it started, you know, as this one one pizza parlor and it grew into this nationwide chain. Uh the, the stock at one point in time worth 80 bucks, I don't know what it is now, but it, was, it went from like nothing to like $80, an incredibly successful franchise. You might remember John Schnatter because he ran afoul of the political correctness police in 2017. 20 the, the Papa John's was hugely invested with the NFL, right? They'd spent a ton of money on NFL advertising. And let me take you back two years ago when the whole Colin Kaepernick kneeling during the national anthem thing started. Schnatter, Papa John's, and again, they're one of the customers of the NFL. He got in trouble because he, he came out and he publicly said that, you know, that this kneeling, you know, the, these protests during the national anthem it's hurting our business, okay? And and people were just up, appalled by that, 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 you know, that he would come out and he would say, you know, he, he's hurting our business, to which he said, look, I'm just telling the truth. He said, I, I wanted Roger Goodell to fix the problem. He said a third of our budget was the NFL. So back in 2017, when you have all these players protesting, the ratings, ratings were down like 20%. It was hurting our business. It was hurting our franchisees. It was hurting our small business owners. And, and yeah, he, he came out and said, this is hurting our business. It's a problem that's got to be fixed. Okay, so people got upset with him for, quote unquote, taking sides. Right. That's not what ultimately brought on on his undoing after this controversy. And people were already, you know, kind of out to get him. He was apparently part of a 52 minute conference call with the board of directors. And they were talking about, you know, how these protests were hurting their business, et cetera, et cetera. At the end of the call. At the end of the call, the Papa John's founder said something to the effect of, he said, you know, look, he said, you know, I, I'm not racist. I, I've never been racist. And then he, he says, remember Colonel Sanders? Colonel Sanders used to call black people the N-word. But instead of simply saying the N-word, he uses that word. He says, I would never call, you know, a black person that. It's not the way I was raised. And, and so his, his the context, and this is why like we were talking about the last hour, I think the context of this stuff is so important. Um, you know, he was just saying, look, I mean, I... You know, we're getting all this heat. I mean, look look at what Colonel Sanders used to say. I would never say that. But in any event, that people, you know, leaked information from that conference call. And, you know, here, this guy's a racist. He used the N-word, et cetera. And, of course, we now know context doesn't matter. And so he essentially was kind of forced out of the company that he founded. You don't need to have a tag sale for him because he sold a whole bunch of his stock, and the guy has just a ton of money. But he was forced out for that. He also became persona non grata because some people said, oh, well, he didn't want to stand up for the end, uh, for the NFL players, and, you know, he, he once used this this word. Again, we understand the context, but context doesn't matter. He used this word, doesn't want to stand up for the NFL players. And so he, he's been kind of persona non grata. The, everybody at Papa John's trying to disassociate themselves with him. Okay, so here's here is the deal. This high school where he played, you know, baseball for his hometown high school. They want to build a a new 
high school baseball complex. Okay, he through his foundation has said, you know, here, here's the deal. Um, I will provide you half a million dollars, five hundred thousand bucks, to renovate the, this, you know, complex that you have there and to build all sorts of new stuff. But but the deal is, um, this facility is now going to be named the John H. Shatter Stadium. Okay, so he's going to give $500,000, but they're going to name the facility after him. The mayor of Jeffersonville says he's disappointed by the decision. Um, previously, you know, he had offered to give money to, you know, renovate, you know, something else in the area, a basketball gym and an event space, but, you know, that they backed off of that when they said, no, if, you know, if the condition is we have to name it after him, we're not going to do that. But now they're going to take the $500,000 and they are going to name it after him. Some people are disappointed. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, what, what would you do? Papa John's founder got a ton of money donating half a million dollars to this community to renovate this baseball complex and uh, you know make this new thing and build all this new stuff, but the condition is it's going to be named after him. Would you take the dough? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, and maybe there was a little bit of pun intended there, pizza dough, get it? 414-799-1620, should they turn down this money because it's coming from the Papa John's founder who, of course, ran afoul of the political correctness police in 2015. Me, I'd take the money. What would you do? 414-799-1620. We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Jeff, did he really claim that the NFL protests were hurting the pizza business because he advertises NFL games? My business advertises NFL games as well, and our business has been booming for the last six or seven years. No, what what he said, and it was correct, is that TV ratings for the NFL games were down in 2017 and there's a multiple there's a variety of reasons for that but I I think if you look at that one of the things that was going on is there was a backlash against all the kneeling we talked about that you know ad nauseum on this program and on other programs about a lot of people said look we're going to love the Packers but as, as the casual NFL fans we we're done you know, we're we're done with this. You know, we're not going to watch. And if, you know, you're paying a bunch of money to advertise on football games, for example, and the viewership drops 5 or 10 percent, that's, that's going to have an effect on your business because that means fewer people are watching your ads. And that was the point that the guy was trying to make. And for, for this, you get labeled a, a racist. And then again, yes, did he use that particular word that is unacceptable to use in society nowadays? Did he use it on a conference call? Yeah, he did. But again, I think just as like we were talking about in the first hour of the program, context matters. And you have to say, you have to figure out, okay, what was the guy saying? And, you know, how did he use that word? And would he have been better off not using the word and, and, you know, say, Colonel Sanders, in my opinion, was an avowed racist. And, you know, look at what he used to say. You know, I'm not like that. 
he could have said that, and, and again, it wouldn't have been as controversial, but people were already looking to get him because he didn't want to stand with the NFL players who were kneeling during the national anthem. But for this, the guy becomes a social pariah. If I were in his hometown and he comes here dangling a check for $500,000, it's not like he's Charles Manson. It's not like he killed anybody. It's not like he resigned because of, of sexual allegations that he was a uh, Matt Lauer or a Harvey Weinstein or a Jeffrey Epstein or something like that. Okay, he's a guy, local boy, made really, really good, who, uh, again, either ran afoul of political correctness or said something that some people might be find find offensive, but it's not like he committed a crime. And you know he's there waving five hundred thousand dollars, and what he wants is he wants it's named after him. Uh, to me, if I'm on the school board or I'm on the committee making this decision, my answer is thank you very much for the money. I'm going to take the money. One of the school board members, one of the council, common council members, apparently decided to buck the mayor. She says. I asked a number of my constituents who are African-American about this, and the overwhelming majority said he wants to give us $500,000. Take it. It is what it is. I'm not going to deny the kids in this area from an updated state-of-the-art baseball field because of something this guy allegedly said a couple years ago. To me, that makes a lot of sense, and if it was me, I would be taking the dollars no question about it jeff wagner on wtmj so if you go to las vegas you can see almost every type of show imaginable you can see elvis impersonators you can see willie nelson in residency i saw the jimmy buffett concert you got journey you got all these different performers that are there you can see magicians you know, you can see, well, you can't see Siegfried and Roy anymore, but because they're, they're retired, but you can see Penn and Teller. You can see, you can see magic. You can see David Copperfield. You can see all sorts of magicians go around. Well, I don't care. I don't care how good the magician in Las Vegas is. They can't top what we've got going on here in Milwaukee because you have city government in general and some aldermen in particular who, they're, they're great magicians. Just in the last couple of days, they made 250 jobs and a $60 million investment go away. All right. We discussed this early last week. Now, let me just kind of back into this so you understand the area. The city of Milwaukee, particularly the inner city, is desperate for good, well-paying family-supporting jobs. That's what we hear all the time. You need to have jobs. You need to bring jobs into these areas because it's going to help reduce the poverty. And if you could help reduce the poverty, you know, you're going to have investment and you're going to have opportunities and crime is going to go down and problems are going to go down and property values are going to go up, all of which is true. So the, the city of Milwaukee has been trying against the odds to try to bring businesses in. They are doing just crazy things, like the old Sears store on on Fond du Lac and North Avenue there. There's this cockamamie plan to turn this into a, a luxury hotel and conference center. And if you were trying to pick a worse site for a luxury hotel and conference center in the city of Milwaukee, you couldn't. Even to the point that the city's own auditors say, Okay, 
this is this is how much this thing is going to be worth. And the city, they, the, the developers can't get ordinary financing. No bank will touch it. No private investor will touch it. So the city of Milwaukee is throwing millions and millions of dollars into a project that will never, ever work, despite the fact that people say, even if this works, it's not going to be worth anywhere near as much as we've invested. But they are so desperate to try to bring jobs into, uh, again, an economically depressed area that they're willing to pee away thousands, millions and millions of taxpayer dollars. All right. Which brings us to Century City. Century City is it starts on kind of like 31st and Capitol. If you have lived in this area for a lengthy period of time, it's the old um, it's the old Tower Automotive. And before that, um, you know, it's the old Tower Automotive spot is where this is. Um, It's 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 just a mess. The city took this over in 2009, spent a fortune trying to like clear the lands, taking down the old buildings and, and then doing all the environmental cleanup that they, they had to do. And the idea was, OK, we're going to create this whole area in, you know, the north side of Milwaukee, an economically depressed area, and we're going to turn this into this business park, and we're going to go out of our way to try to find businesses. They're going to come in, and they're going to set stuff up, and we're going to employ people from the area. Now, it's a really tough sell, in part because it's an economically depressed area that has a high crime rate. That's number one. Number two is it's landlocked. It's not like the Menominee Valley, for example, where you've got easy access to the freeways. I mean, it's it's 31st and Capitol and moving west. So, all right, they took it over, I believe, in 2009. Since 2014, they have aggressively been trying to find big industrial employers, and, and they've largely failed. There's a there's a small brewery that, that's opened up there, and there's the, the Talgo train plant, but neither one of these are, are major employers. I mean, and I'm not... I'm glad they're there, not dismissing it, but it's not like you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of jobs. All right, so into this mix, the city, all right, nails, they they nailed it. Strauss Brands, which is a a modern, high-tech meat processing facility that is located right now in Franklin, and people love them in Franklin. I mean, you, you don't hear... You know, this isn't like, you know, Iowa beef processing in 1965. You know, it's a high-tech, modern facility. No complaints at all from neighbors in Franklin. All right, they're they're looking to expand a facility and, and maybe build a new one. So the city cuts this deal. They get Strauss Brands. They agree they are going to move their operations from Franklin to this Century City business park. All right, it's going to be a $60 million project. Um, initially, it's going to be 250 jobs, 250 jobs. And the idea is, hey, you know, we think this is a growth company. We think it's going to perhaps double to maybe 500 over the next 10 years. Now, again, keep in mind, it's not like you've got big companies that are beating on the door of Tom Barrett's office begging to move into Century City. It's just it's just for whatever reason, they don't have them. But they nail Strauss. This is a big, big deal. The Redevelopment Authority um, and 
the Common Council Zoning Neighborhoods and Development Committee, they, they jump on board this. They say, this is great. This is just what this area needs. Okay, so last week there's a Common Council meeting to kind of sign off on this, and you have the PETA people. The anti-animal, the you know, anti you know, eating animals folks, they show up and they, they start you know going nuts and, and complaining. You know, one of the aldermen from the area, Khalif Rainey, he even says, "I don't know who three quarters of these people are, but they're, they're people that don't think we should be eating animals." Oh, okay, fine. You want to have the moral high ground on that? That that's fine. But most people aren't ready to give up their hamburgers. So understanding that this plant is going to be somewhere, these PETA people they they don't care. They they just don't like it. Oh, this is going to be terrible. It's going to destroy the neighborhood, and you're going to be killing animals for meat. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of what we do. The Common Council then instead of simply approving this, says, okay, I tell you what we're going to do. We'll send this back to committee for more hearings. All right, the two developments in the last couple of days is the alderman from the area, Khalif Rainey, decides to sell out his constituents and flips his position. You know, he says, well, I, I know I voted for this before, but I, I have changed my mind because some people that live in the area now say they don't want 250 jobs and $60 million in investment, and they don't want a slaughterhouse there. Now, of course, again, most people hear slaughterhouse, and they're thinking, you know, Upton Sinclair in 1921. They're not – they don't know what this facility is. They have no clue as to how this particular thing operates. And then, again, fueled by the animal rights folks who don't think you should eat meat, there's this huge objection. So the announcement today, and this is, I believe, breaking news, is that Strauss Brands has said, okay, the alderman doesn't want us there. The city has tossed this back. Screw you. So the you tell, you know, Milwaukee says screw you. We say, okay, well, screw you. Strauss Brands, here's the story as reported by the Journal Sentinel, has dropped its plans for a slaughterhouse and meat processing plant on Milwaukee's north side after opposition surfaced from the Common Council member whose district would have hosted the facility. Um, Strauss says it was our hope that Strauss Brands' move to Milwaukee Century City neighborhood would have created jobs, provided an economic boost, and inspired other businesses to follow suit. We honor and respect the opinions of the community. We don't want to make our home in a place where our presence would not be seen as a benefit. Therefore, we are no longer uh, pursuing relocation to Century City. So, in other words, here's what happens. The protesters, the anti-meat you know, meat people, well, I guess they win to an extent, but keep in mind, it's not like they're not going to expand or build the facility. They're just not going to do it in Century City. So the city of Milwaukee loses out on 250 jobs. They lose out on $60 million in investment. Strauss goes somewhere else. 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This demonstrates to me as clearly as possible how dysfunctional the city of Milwaukee is and why it is unlikely in the current environment that you will ever get major development in the inner city and economically depressed areas of Milwaukee because here you have a gift. And keep in mind, this meat plant's going somewhere. Strauss Strauss is a leader in the industry in humane ethical treatment of animals. Um, the, the mayor 
says, I'm disappointed that you've got opposition because this is not a 1980s meat packing meatpacking plant. It's a 2019 meatpacking plant. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This, it is it is a travesty and it is a tragedy. And by the alderman flipping his vote, I understand Strauss is not the bad guys here. They were taking a risk in wanting to locate in an area that nobody else wants to be. They haven't found a major employer that's been willing to go down there, well, for the last decade. You had 250 good-paying jobs. You had a commitment of an investment that would have lasted the next 10 years, and the city of Milwaukee just ended up killing it. I hope those people are proud. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And this tells you everything you need to know about why, at least in the economically depressed areas of the city, you're not going to get anything that's happened because there's always going to be somebody. And for the animal rights activists who think they've won, well, okay, all you've done is killed 250 jobs in the inner city. Franklin wants Strauss to stay. Franklin, that you know, the mayor of Franklin is probably the happiest guy imaginable today. And if not for Franklin, there's going to be other sorts of communities that would love this as well. David in Mequon. David, you're first. Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Jeff. You know, the city of Milwaukee has been anti-business for a while. But what's shocking, and the reason why I say it, Jeff, remember the alderman that complained about the targets? over on Brown Deer Road, and then, mm-hmm. you know, there was talk right. about making that into a manufacturer of some sort. Right. They literally had to bend over backwards to convince that alderman that, you know, right. that... Well, oh, by, let's talk about buy seasons. Remember, we had the buy seasons a number of years ago that wanted to locate yeah. in the Menominee Valley, and they didn't want yeah. those kind of jobs. Really? Yeah. And, and so, but Cleef Rainey, shame on him. What kind of... Talk about selling out the constituents. Over, you know, the, the family, it's a, it's a local family. Uh, they've been around for quite a while. They do terrific work. And the fact of the matter is that area where Khalif Rainey is, it's like 50% unemployment for yeah. African-American males. Yeah. And they complain about jobs. And here, well, well, this is not the right kind of job. It's not clean and it's this and that. And unfortunately, the, the activists, what they did was, you know, they spread they, they spread their wings and, and yeah. did a whole bunch of stuff, and they, they did win by shutting this project from opening up in the city of Milwaukee. Exactly. Right. Thanks for calling. And, and, and again, it's not like you know you have a lot to choose from. That This area has been a moonscape for years, and, and to the mayor's credit. Okay, they work really hard. They convince this company to move these. This is a, a modern meatpacking facility. It doesn't smell. It doesn't stink. There's none of these things that are there. It's 250 good-paying jobs off the bat, and it's going to increase, and the city of Milwaukee has just killed it. And I understand Strauss is saying, look, I we don't want this fight. We can go anywhere. We can take our money, and we can find all sorts of great locations. If you don't want us, fine. All right, the losers are the citizens of Milwaukee who, you know, need those jobs. We continue the conversation. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. This is, this is, it's awful. It's just flat out awful. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Here we text. Uh, Jeff, what the heck? Can't the mayor override the stupid decision? He wants to bring all his attention to Milwaukee, but not full-time jobs. This isn't Tom Barrett's. I mean, keep, keep in mind what happened is, I mean, Strauss Brands 
that they they've backed out of it. They 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 were ready to go ahead do this deal. Now the alderman that that represents the area, he's said he's going to oppose it. And you know, it, it's kind of like it's it's kind of like if. Okay, if it's there's a glut of houses on the market and you know you're a buyer and you're sitting there and you've got all this cash and you go to this one house and you say, Hey, I would like this house, I'd like to make you an offer and it's a husband and a wife and the wife says, Well, I, I don't know if we're going to sell. I'm not sure, you know, we're ready to move. And then so you say, Okay, fine, you don't want to sell, you don't want to get us the house, we're gonna move on. Um that that's Strauss has said, Look, we don't wanna fight. You know, if, if you don't want us, and now that the alderman who represents this district has decided he's going to change his vote and he's going to oppose us, well, okay, we're, we don't want to, we don't want to force ourselves to be somewhere where people don't want us. There's going to be all sorts of communities that we guarantee are going to want us. So Milwaukee, now you've got, you know, this giant project that will continue to be a moonscape and, you know, don't talk to us about jobs. Phil in Milwaukee. Phil, you're on WTMJ. Hi, I just wanted to say I think uh, Khalif uh, Rainey responded to his constituency uh, constituents. I understand there was a large uh, concern about the meatpacking company going in a uh, residential, close to a residential area, and there was you know, concern about it. Had Strauss uh, educated the people about you know the safety measures they would take as far as uh, draining the blood from the animals and all that kind of stuff, maybe the community would have said, yeah, we'll take the extra 60 jobs or whatever. The well, no, it, it, it's 250. It's not 60. It's 250 jobs, maybe to be 500. Okay, but why does Strauss have to do the sell job on that? I mean, it's it's not like they don't have choices, and the city hasn't been able to put a facility there for the last 10 years. So you, you say no to yeah, Strauss. But, you, but, Jeff, if you put something someplace that may have some uh, risk to people's health, then well, that's the, the concern that the, the but, people in the community were saying. But Nobody's that's dumb. But, but, Phil, that's that's dumb. Strauss is in Franklin. This is this high-tech, modern meat facility. Uh, they, Franklin loves them. They, there's no smell. There's no problems. They kill the animals underneath. I, I mean, at some point in time, it's not like the folks in that area or Khalif Rainey, it, it's not like they've got jobs that are raining down on them. They've just turned down 250 to 500 jobs. And they're not, and there's well, nobody to replace them. Yeah, that's like when they turned down the Gentleman's Club on 35th and Capitol. Okay, you're, you're, you're going to liken... Every job is not a good job. Okay, you're going to liken this to a strip club? Really? Yeah, making a choice to who you want in your neighborhood. Uh, okay, well, I mean... With, it means turning down some jobs to say, no, we don't want okay, this in our neighborhood. Okay, well, then, I mean, in fact, Phil, then, then the reality, th- this is the decision that Khalif Rainey and to the extent that this is a majority of the population is made, you have decided that we want blight in the area. You have decided that we don't want economic development. You have decided that we don't want jobs, that we don't want good-paying jobs for, for the area because it's not like there's other replacements. And I'm sorry, but to try to say, oh, you know, they, they didn't want a strip club, so you don't want a modern meatpacking facility that's going to bring 250 jobs, well, okay, good good luck. Just don't talk. To, and, you know, I'll tell you the other effect that, that this has made, just like we'll, we'll talk about an international event, just like President Trump's decision to pull out of Syria has made it very, very difficult to find allies moving forward. If I'm a business guy and the city of Milwaukee and Rocky Marcoux and, and Tom Barrett have been banging on my doors, 
begging me to try to locate down at Century City for the last couple years, and maybe this Strauss thing, okay, now Strauss is going to be there. Maybe we can build on this. If this is if this is the reality now, you, you have just pretty much guaranteed that, that no other company is going to want to come into the area because they don't want to have Khalif Rainey pull on them what he's pulled on Strauss. So, all right, you continue the blight. You continue the lack of jobs. Just don't don't complain about it because the mayor tried to do something, and I guess the neighborhood said no. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Two final thoughts on the conversation we just were having about the decision of Strauss Brands to not bring their factory employing 250, probably up to 500 people, to an economically depressed area of the city because the alderman decided, well, he doesn't want it there anymore because some animal rights activists decided to up smoke screens. And I don't fault Strauss Brands. I mean, if I'm... if. I'm a factory owner, and I can decide to locate my place pretty much anywhere I want, and now all of a sudden I find that the alderman for that area isn't going to support me. Well, I I can easily pick up and go somewhere else. Okay, here's two uh, emails, texts, though, that kind of reflect the different thinking. Jeff, I think the meatpacking plant being denied is a good thing. The way animals are used for food and products is archaic, and it shows Milwaukee being progressive. Good job. So in other words... I don't think we should be eating meat, so I'm glad that we're not going to have a meat processing facility in Milwaukee. Screw those 250 to 500 jobs. Well, here's the problem with that, that I, I, I understand people being high-minded and saying we don't want to eat meat, etc. But, but, but most people are still going to eat meat. And at least for the foreseeable future, we are not at the point where we're going to, I don't know, stop ordering steaks and stop having pork chops and things like that. And that's just the reality. And if you don't want to do it, go with God. I'm okay with that. But the reality is most people are not there yet. And as far as Milwaukee being progressive, well, okay, then just don't tell me you can't bring jobs to the central city because you said no. And again, it becomes an exercise in futility because, again, the plant is going to go somewhere. All right, and here's Lou who makes kind of the common sense point. Jeff, I want to open a factory in Century City. 500 workers, well-paying jobs, insurance, 401ks, help pay for the surrounding infrastructure even though Capital Drive is a death trap. I want to help an area that will give uh, needed people careers and skills. No transportation is needed because it's been located in the neighborhood. We'll have the workers from. And oh yeah, it's for the food industry that cannot be, it's for the food industry that could easily be outsourced to Mexico or other places, um, but you know, local people need to eat, um, so the jobs are now going to be gone. Thanks. Unbelievable. That, that That's it. I mean, it's, all right, for everybody who's like high-fiving and saying, oh, that's great that Strauss isn't coming here, well, they're going to go somewhere. They're, they're going to go somewhere. Hopefully, they'll stay in southeastern Wisconsin, but bottom line of it is they're going somewhere it's not like we're not going to be eating meat and the only real losers are again that the century city area and as i was saying earlier the the other effect of this is it it makes recruiting almost impossible it's not like anybody wants to go to that area and make investments anyhow because there's all these uh, different risks that are attached and now well, the community might not like this next kind of job or whatever. I mean, why Why bother? So good job, Alderman Rainey. Okay. The um, 
over the weekend, a, a couple big concerts at, at Pfizer Forum. Um, Mariah, Miranda Lambert was apparently there the other night, and, and the review is absolutely great. And then um, on Saturday night, Elton John, who's in his probably 15th like farewell tour, you know, he played Fiserv, and I, I was not there. I have friends who were there who actually had invited us, but we were in Vegas seeing shows. The, the review just absolutely glowing about the, the Elton John show, said he put on a great show. And I've seen Elton John a couple times, and I, I've, I've always enjoyed that. But, you know, the bigger story that, that comes out of this is it seems like on, on, on a weekly basis, you have some big concert and some big time entertainer, whether it's Mariah Lamp, Miranda Lambert or um, Elton John or, you know, any of the other performers that have been that, have, that are coming to Fiserv and are putting on shows. And I think, you know, when, when we talked about you know, taking down the Bradley Center and there were all sorts of people who were nostalgic and all. But but the one thing that you're seeing beyond the success of, of the Bucks and beyond that facility that is the Deer District is you are now seeing, you know, Milwaukee is more than just a, you know, Chicago's, you know, little little brother. You are now seeing that, you know, major concerts are coming to Milwaukee. The facility is apparently just great for concerts. I haven't seen a show there yet. I haven't seen a concert there yet. But you're seeing all these big name acts who might otherwise have passed on Milwaukee who are coming here for the opportunity to play the Fiserv. So, you know, one after another after another. And it, it really great. This is it's kind of a golden age of, of concert going right now with the different venues that you have. And, of course, you've got the wonderful facility at the amphitheater at Summerfest, you know, that's during the, the summer. You've got some of the other smaller venues now. And then you've got Fiserv, which is bringing in big name acts. We were told it was going to happen. It's nice to see it actually happen, especially if you enjoy, you know, the opportunity to go out and, you know, see a high-end concert from time to time. Another advantage of Fiserv. Okay, when we come back, an update on a story that we talked about last week, Mayfair under fire. Stick around. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We are back. A week Okay, Mayfair Mall has over the years had more than its share of problems with unruly teenagers. And there's been other situations where you've had brawls, melees, riots, you know, use whatever word you want. And so melee, I love the word melee, Mayfair instituted a policy a while back which essentially said no unescorted minors in the mall Friday, Saturday, and Sunday evenings. And, and some people objected to that. They didn't think it was fair. But Mayfair recognized that the last thing they need is large groups of teenagers running through the malls, creating problems and scaring off the, the shoppers. So that was their policy. Without any fanfare, somebody at Mayfair decided, let's back off our policy. Let, let's just let the kids come. What could go wrong with that? Well, they found out what could go wrong with that on a week ago Saturday. You had a situation where there was there was an enormous brawl, large groups of unattended teenagers running through the malls, pushing people over. Fights broke out. At one point in time, apparently there was like one girl that was getting punched by a bunch of other girls. Large problem. It got so out of hand that the security guards could not control it. 
No surprise there. They had to call the Wauwatosa police. The Wauwatosa police responded in force. They circled them all. At that time, what happens, lots of kids run away. One or two people ended up taking, they're taken into custody. All right, so we, we talked about that a little bit last week. Now there is a follow-up. The mother of one of the kids who was involved in the fight, all right, she is going public claiming that she was mistreated by the security guards and she wants the guards fired and charged. She has enlisted the support of the Black Panthers of Milwaukee and she's been making rounds of the TV stations. Here is the audio of the report. All the TV stations had it. This is the one from Channel 58 the other night. Here it is. The fight happened here at Mayfair Mall on Saturday around 8.30. Several people took out their cell phones and recorded as kids ran through the mall and a pregnant woman was taken to the ground. It was beyond chaos. During this fight at Mayfair Mall Saturday night, around 20 people were running through the mall. They just were just yelling and screaming and they were knocking people over and I thought that that was ridiculous. During the incident, a pregnant woman was detained by security. This young lady came to pick up her daughter who was attacked by 15 to 20 other individuals in this mall. The woman spent two days in the hospital following the incident. Mayfair Mall security attacked her, threw her on the ground, made her lie on her stomach while she was eight months pregnant, handcuffed her, roughed her up. Today, Milwaukee's original Black Panther stormed the mall demanding justice for the woman and calling on the mall to fire the security guards involved. We want to make sure that they're held accountable. This vicious attack on her is intolerable. We're looking into the matter. It's an investigation at this point. I really can't go into details, but I am sensitive to your position on it. A sign in the mall shows their curfew policy. Kids must be accompanied by an adult after 3 p.m. on the weekends. Some who witnessed the fight say the mall needs more security. I am with the security officers. Um, I think that they handled the situation the best that they could. Being overpowered, I'm pretty sure that they were scared too. Two people involved in the fight were arrested and cited for disorderly conduct. Okay, so the way I understand this is that the, the, the girl... It's the, the girl's mother who is the one who is pregnant, who is detained. The, the way I understand the story is you, you've got this ongoing brawl, this thing that's broken out. Security can't control it because you've got all the unattended kids. The the, the girl's mother, the 15-year-old, she's being punched by, by this group. There's this fight that breaks out. The girl's mother is notified somehow that, hey, your kid's involved in this fight. Um, she, after getting a call, then goes to the mall and, you know, confronts the security guards. You know, she confronts the security guards and then she says they then became uh, aggressive, you know, with, with, with her as they've got this whole situation that is going on. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, I guess I have, t- I have two thoughts of this. First of all, th- th- doesn't this want to make you go out and shop at Mayfair? I mean, I mean, seriously, you know, with the holiday shopping coming on, d- doesn't this make you want to go out and shop at Mayfair where you've got large groups of unattended attended teenagers running through the mall, pushing over people, punching people, getting into fights that are so bad that security can't control it? Okay, that's 
that that that's number one. And whoever I guess one A would be whoever at Mayfair thought it was a good idea to rescind their minor, you know, unaccompanied minor policy. Huh. Maybe that person should be looking for a new job this morning. Okay, that's observation number one. Observation number two is that the the mother who went in and said she confronted security, and it was security that became uh, aggressive, and yes, they they restrained her. She wants them charged. She wants them fired. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, look, obviously... I, obviously, you have a very bad situation here where you have, like, out-of-control kids and fights and things like that. And I, I understand this mother's passion if her kid is involved in this. But I guess my my initial reaction to this whole story is, you, you know, you've got security that is overwhelmed by these out-of-control people. You have, in this case, a parent who, her own statement, she said, I, I confronted them, and I can imagine how it was that she confronted them. Security trying to keep a handle on things. All right, should the security guards responsible for trying to handle this, should they be fired? Should they be charged? Or is this just, you know, an unfortunate situation that got out of control and says less about individual security guards than maybe about, first of all, the people that started the brawl in the first place, and secondly, the whole larger issue about, you know, how how Mayfair just can't let stuff like this happen. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, the bottom line of all this is people have a universe of choices as to where they are going to go to shop, starting with sitting in their living room and getting on their computer. Okay, that's number one. Number two, if you want to have a business, the last thing, the last thing that you want is to get the reputation, and again, this isn't the first time that Mayfair has had this problem, of out-of-control teenagers running amok and assaulting people. And, I mean, whether you fire the security guards or not, it seems like they were put in an untenable situation, and I, I would kind of be interested to hear the other side of the story, because my guess is, I mean, the mother acknowledges that she confronted the security guards. I would be curious as to what that confrontation entailed, that they felt it was necessary to, uh, again, restrain her. 414-799-1620. I'm going to want to know a lot more facts before I become convinced that the security guards need to be fired or need to be criminally charged. But the larger point is, what the hell's going on at Mayfair? Let's start with Dean in Wauwatosa. Dean, you're on WTMJ. Hey, how's it going? Hi, Dean. Great. So here's my quick point, and I'm going to let other people chime in. I was there with my son that day, that afternoon, and I saw that it was boiling. It was coming to a boiling point. I, at that point, said to my son, let's go. My kid is under 12. Let's go. Let's get out of here because I see it brewing. But then as it relates to the mom, I'm not sure... What could have happened at that point? I don't know. And what I said to the person that took the call was, one, you've got emotions kicking in. Eight months pregnant, there's a lot of hormones going on. Secondly, that's her child. So I'm not sure how I would respond or react when I got there to go, hey, look, my kid's in a fight. I've been told this. Right. But on the flip side, you know, I think that as it relates to how the woman was restrained, 
I don't want to go. Mighty funny how the timing was for that uh, uh, for that to be filmed because everything's on camera now. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess I. I mean, right. Thanks for calling. I guess. See, I, I, again, the, the particular incident. I, I'm not going to hang the security guards out to dry at this point because I, I want to know more. I, I. I would be curious. I, you've got you've got this volatile situation. You've got kids that are out of control. You've got these fight these fights that are going on. I would be curious to know, you know, did the mother just walk up and say, "Excuse me, sir, I'm I'm trying to see my daughter here. What's going on?" And then she gets thrown to the ground. My guess is there, there's something else going on. Don't know that, but I would be curious to know the security guards' thing. So, I mean, I, I guess I just don't know enough facts to offer an opinion one way or the other on that, other than to say. This is a situation that Mayfair cannot allow to, to happen. And I guess I'm stunned, stunned that they decided to quietly rescind their unaccompanied youth policy because this is this is what it leads to. Yvonne in Milwaukee. Yvonne, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Um, Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. As I told your screener about two days before this incident happened, I was at Mayfair. And when I got home, I told my husband, I was really a little concerned about what I saw, and I didn't feel comfortable because there were so many groups of young, unattended teenagers yep. going through the mall. And, and they're, when they're not, they're not attended by an adult, they tend to do their own thing when they're kids. And sure. I, I can see that, okay? Except if this mother got a call that her daughter was in a fight or whatever, why did she not call the police? before she even went to the mall, or even if she was in the mall. Yeah. Those security guards are totally within their right. Yeah, I guess, I, I mean, right, I guess, you know, again, I, I, you got to know more of the facts. You know, if it's just the mother kind of walked up and said, hey, what's going on with my daughter? Or I understand there's been an issue with my daughter, and all of a sudden they say, here, we're going to take you, and we're going to throw you on the ground, and we're going to try to restrain you. Okay, that's one story. My guess is, there's more to it than that, and I would be curious to hear, you know, what that more to it was. And I really don't have an opinion as to whether the response of the security guards was appropriate or not until we know what the more to it was. And if the idea is, well, she's eight months pregnant, you just you you can't restrain her. Well, no, that's it depends on what she was doing, you know, at the time, if anything. And so I, I want to wait to hear that. But but the larger point is this is an issue that's just not going to go away. And we've, you know, Northridge, there's a lot of things that killed Northridge. And we talk about that on this program, you know, a, a lot. You would hate to see that happen to Mayfair. But, you know, th- this is an issue. It's been an ongoing issue at Mayfair over the years. And if for some reason they are getting away from this unescorted minor policy, they are asking asking for trouble and don't be surprised if you know what what kills malls is when people like Yvonne say hey you know I was there large groups of kids unattended roaming through the malls looking for trouble all right that reputation gets out and you know what pretty soon the people that want to go and shop and spend money they stop coming and then you know what happens stores go under and then the mall goes under and nobody wants to see that this is Jeff Wagner Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It is good to be back from vacation. Here is my question. Is the pressure getting to President Trump? After all this, after three plus years, 
is he starting to is the pressure starting to get to him? Let me talk about this story. Now, I asked Melissa right before the break whether she had ever been to Miami and she hadn't. Rue, you ever been to Miami? No, you've never been to. OK, I in another life, I, I used to spend a lot of time in Miami because back in the 80s, most and I was a drug prosecutor. Most of the drugs, the cocaine that came into this country came in through South Florida. It's kind of like the Miami Vice days. And then so a lot of the drug rings that we ended up prosecuting ended up. You know, it the, the it came into the country through South Florida, and then it, it worked its way up here. And so in some of these big conspiracy cases that we were prosecuting, a lot of it was people up here who were distributing it and people who were, you know, in South Florida in particular who, who got access to the dope. This was the, the cocaine days. And so in order to prepare, prepare witnesses and stuff, we used to travel down there a lot. So, I mean, I, I, I regularly, you know, would fly there, and we would typically we would stay in either the Coconut Grove Hotel or we'd stay in Fort Lauderdale at this embassy suite. So we, we spent a, a lot of time there. Now, if I could avoid it, and sometimes the trials were inevitable and your, your timing was out of your control, but if I could avoid it, I would prefer to go down and interview witnesses and do all that prep work. You would prefer to do it from like October through like March or April. And the reason is it is miserable in South Florida during the summer. You're you're talking about from like May through August. You're, you're talking about 100 degrees and humid. You're talking about bugs that are the size of your fist. It's just it's it's oppressive, okay, in, in the summer, just like people would say, I can't believe anybody would live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in January with the polar vortex. I understand that, and that that's, you know, South Florida kind of like that except in the summer. So we always tried to, you know, make our trips in the fall or the winter, uh, but didn't always work out that way. But as a general rule, people do not vacation in Miami, a lot of a lot of tourists go down to Miami. Great place, lots of stuff going on. A lot of vacationers, but people don't vacation in the summer because of the oppressive heat and the bugs the size of your hand and the humidity and all those types of things. All right, President Trump, the Trump companies, back in 2012, they purchased the Doral Resorts, that the company, and it's this is Miami. And Doral, if you are a golfer, they always used to have, you know, they, they all, and they still do, but they'd have golf tournaments. They have a series of golf courses built on this property at Doral, which is, again is, is, is Miami. And there, there's always, there's this one very, very famous course. I've never played golf there. It's kind of on my bucket list called the Blue Monster, but it's one of three or four or five courses all in this Doral property. The Trump companies, with a $125 million loan from the Deutsche Bank in 2012, bought the Doral Resort. So this is owned by the, the Trump companies. Okay, the, what happened is the company, after they bought it, this is the, I'm going to say Trump, what I mean is the business, then poured millions of dollars into renovating this particular resort. It had kind of fallen a little bit into disrepair. So this this property, if you look at the different Trump International hotels, properties, etc., this this is one of the kind of crown jewels. And again, built around golf courses, but a very famous golf course, the, the Blue Monster. All right, so it's a keystone property in the Trump empire. 
it is also a property that over the last few years has been hemorrhaging money, just hemorrhaging money. One of the, and there's all sorts of different theories as to this. I think, you know, one of the theories is that um, the, the Trump brand, which used to be thought of as a high-end and exclusive, the Trump presidency has really hurt the Trump brand. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But um, they estimate that the club oper- net operating income, and that's a number you look at. That's the bottom line. It's the amount left over after expenses are paid. So this is, you know, this is this is your earning. It's not it's not the money that's come in, it's bottom line. You know, you got the money that's coming in after the money goes out, what do you have left? They estimate that by 2017, the operating the the net income was had fallen like 70% over the, the last few years, like 70%. Hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging money. And again, this is you can argue as to why this was, but it's it's this this reality. This and this is one of the flagship properties. All right, next year in June, and again, we're talking about Miami, Florida, June, July, and August for the tourist business are always the slowest months. They estimate that at Trump Doral in June, the occupancy rate is about 38%, meaning 62% of the hotel rooms are vacant. The only month where there is a higher vacancy rate is in August. So you understand this is where, okay, people aren't coming down here. You want to have the business, okay? Next June, the United States is going to be hosting the, the G7 meetings. This is where all the leaders of the seven big countries get together. It's going to be in the United States. President Trump had announced that the Doral, the Trump property in Doral in Miami, would be hosting the G7, which means you have all these companies that are all these countries that are going to be coming in. You've got all the journalists that are coming in. You've got all, you know, you name it. Everybody's going to be coming in for this. It would have guaranteed probably 100 percent occupancy and it would have brought millions of dollars into this property. Now, it's a Trump property. So President Trump, he announces this with much fanfare, and he says it's a wonderful facility. We want to bring people in. There is a backlash. Predictably, the Democrats immediately step up and say, wait a second. You know, this is you, you are scheduling this conference for June of 2020 when your hotel, your the company that your hotel, that, that your company owns, Normally, it's got like 40% filled. This is going to guarantee you that you're going to have, you know, full occupancy. This is going to make you millions of, of dollars. And the Democrats start complaining about it. Some Republicans start complaining about it as well. And over the weekend, um, the president comes out and says, despite announcing this, I have decided that we're going to move it. We're, we're not going to have it at Trump Doral. Okay. Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Did the president cave into pressure in backing off, or was this a bizarre and inappropriate decision in the first place, or maybe both? Was this a bad decision, and then did the president cave in, or, you know, what happened here? 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, this is the developing story of the weekend. The president's saying, no, we're going to do this. We're going to have it. It's a great facility. People are going to love it. It's world class. 
Um, it, it is the hotel that my companies own. And now he has backed off on that. Should he have given in? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I actually happen to think there's an easy answer to this question, but I am curious as to what you think. We'll discuss in just a minute. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. We are back, 414-799-1620. Lori in Oconomowoc. Hi, Lori. Hey there. What do you think? I think it's stupidity of some people. He's trying to generate income for the state of Florida, which really needs it. What happened to free enterprise? Okay, but he's trying to generate – You there's there are there are a ton of resorts – that probably have that have these vacancies throughout the the state of Florida. He picks the one that he has a financial interest in. Do, doesn't that give you some pause? Uh, maybe a little. What happened to Free Enterprise, though? You know, I, I don't know. He's drawing business into the areas. My thoughts, and it just seems like they pick at him for what for sneezing. Yeah. Well, I th- see. I uh, yeah. I got to tell you, I'm I'm not with you on this one, Lori. I I I, I have nothing against bringing business into the state of Florida. And, and that's definitely what the, the G7 conference is going to do. But you have this whole universe of of resorts, wonderful locations in Florida, if you want to be in Florida, that, that you could pick that would generate millions of dollars for whatever the different resort is. And presumably everybody's going to have, you know, these occupancy issues. When you pick the the resort that you have a financial interest in, to me, it's to, to me. If nothing else, the optics are bad. That's the best case scenario you can put off it, on it. The worst case scenario is it makes you look like a crook because it makes you look like you're, you know, using your office to enrich yourself. I mean, I have to tell you, I, I, I look. I, I'd love to go. I want to play Doral someday, and that's on my bucket list. And I'd love to stay at, at this hotel. You know, play several rounds of golf. I, I'd love to do that. But if it's the president saying, okay, we're going to have this conference and we're going to have it It's something that I have a financial interest in. To me, that that's wrong. And I think I, I think he was I think he was smart to not pick this particular fight. And I think what happened is over the weekend, a lot of Republicans who aren't happy with him about pulling out of Syria, I think they said the same thing. Mr. President, you know, we're getting all this heat. This Syria decision is bad. We disagree with it. And now you're going to make us defend having this conference at a property that you own. And even if it's not a criminal act, it looks it looks bad. Jeff in Brookfield. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hi Jeff. Hi, Jeff. I would agree with you entirely. It's, it was a foolish choice to begin with, and he had to back off. Yeah, it just—I I mean, it, it's—you can pick—you can pick any resort in the country, and you're not going to have a financial interest in it. And you pick uh, one of the handful that you own, and it might be quite nice, and I'm sure they would have all had fun. But you know, you—you ca- you just can't do that. Well, yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, you're right. It's a classic place to go play golf, Jeff, but we would enjoy it if we played 18 together, but I'm 36. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's just, it wasn't appropriate. I mean, right. It, it's his, it's his resort. He's padding his pocket. Right. I, I, yeah, I agree. And I, I can't, yeah. Position. Yeah, no, thanks for calling. And I, I guess, it, it it is the and I understand. I see. I'm with Lori. I understand. I I think there are people who are unduly critical of the president. Anything he does gets criticized. At the same time, every once in a while, you have these decisions. By the way, I would lump the decision to pull the cop the the, the 
these soldiers out of Syria. And the same thing. Every once in a while, you have these decisions. I remember when I saw this announced, I thought, my God, that's his company. How 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 can you do that? It's just, again, ethics, criminality aside, the optics look look bad. Jeff, he complains about Biden's son working for a Ukrainian company, making money when Biden was vice president, but doesn't mind lining his own company's pockets when he's the president. There There is... Yeah, there is that point. Tim and Fond du Lac. Tim, you're on WTMJ. Hey, you're a, you're a lawyer. I don't know the, the whole Amalian thing, but is right. he not supposed to make money off the presidency? Yeah, you're not. I mean, people in public office, you're right. The Constitution and the Emoluments the Clause is, is kind of a mess and nobody understands it. But, but, but yes, you're, you're not supposed to use your, your office to, to, to generate money for yourself outside your salary. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for calling. It, it just, it, it looks, it just looks horrible. And, and I mean, I, I understand. Like I say, and I, I think some of the criticisms that the president has of unfair coverage it is founded. It, it really is. It does. But then you see some of these decisions and you go, my goodness, what were you thinking? Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Mike. I actually see that the Durrell. It's a beautiful place. Yeah. And uh, I agree with you that uh, Trump should not be doing this on his own behalf. He should have it at some other location. That's not affiliated with him. It just looks terribly bad, and uh, yeah. that's my comment. I, I don't know why he would even do it. Uh, brain right. freeze, maybe. Right. No, I mean, think. I mean, he, you know, there's. He's getting enough criticism in, in the whole emoluments thing. You know, they, they own, for example, they own Trump properties in Washington, and, and it's a hotel they own, and a lot of foreign dignitaries stay at that hotel. And that's raised this issue, is, is the president benefiting? I, I'm less sympathetic to that argument because it's a hotel, and it, it, you know, it does business, and it's in Washington, and you're going to have to stay at, at some hotel, and the president or the government isn't forcing people to go, and stay at, at that hotel. It, it, but it's a hotel that people can stay at if they choose. In this particular case, the conference is at the Trump property, which means that people are going to, by nature, by, you know, by definition, be staying at the Trump property, and that's going to benefit the company. Now, in, at the end of the day, the president has backed off on this. That's the right decision. This is one where the whole controversy, though, could have been avoided if just early on somebody had said, you know, this, this just isn't going to fly, Mr. President, and maybe we need to you know, move on to what the next idea is going to be. When we come back, we're going to find out what's on the agenda for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Stick around.